Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Paid in Full Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Rausch, and this is episode number six. All right, it's been a pretty wild last few weeks as we continue to deal with this pandemic. Um, if you've been following me on Instagram, I've been posting a lot of commentary just on music news, what's been coming out, watching the state of our industry very, very closely and how it's going to impact everybody from artists and songwriters to managers and agents, um, our whole industry as a, as a whole. So I wanted to comment on something first before we get into this episode. Now, this episode is, is going to focus on mechanical royalties, but last episode we were talking about performance royalties. And those come from the PROs, the performance rights organizations like ASCAP and BMI and CSAC. Now, there was a very scary email that came out from ASCAP this week. And if you guys are ASCAP members you uh, and affiliated as writers, then you've received this email um, and you may have read through this and been confused or been scared. Now, during this time, look, we do have a lot of concern and a lot of value to being nervous and anxious and even scared about the state of our industry. Obviously, when it comes to live performance, that's tanking right now because nobody can perform, nobody can you know, go to venues, no bands can tour, um, there's no ticket sales, merch has dropped, and uh, that's such a huge, huge revenue stream for so many people. So obviously that side of the industry is getting hit really hard. But what does that mean for actual royalties and the royalty side? Because artists and songwriters, you guys have to really rely on your royalty streams right now as your financial support, especially if you are getting those checks every quarter or semi-annually or even every month uh, from distributors. This is the time to pay attention to your royalties. So I just want to comment real quick on the performance side. So Performance royalties don't just come from live performance, okay? And they come from, as I mentioned last episode, so many different sources from streaming, from YouTube, from video, from TV, from radio, uh, film, commercials, advertisements. There's so many different areas where performance income is generated. So although the live industry, um, the live music industry is is you know, going down pretty quickly right now and being shut down, the live performance royalty revenue from that actually is not always that significant. If you looked on your statements, you probably won't notice a ton of live performance revenue on your ASCAP or BMI statements unless you're really part of the top 300 tours. Um, But if you're not, it's not really a primary driver of income in performance royalties. What is, is radio, streaming, internet radio. Um, If you have, if you get syncs, then you'll get performance income from the, the, your song and TV or film. But really where we want to focus on is that streaming and radio, the, the internet side and the also just regular radio side. Now, a lot of people aren't even played on the radio. So that means we have to really focus on this internet side. So what's happening with streaming and the internet and performance? Well, On the video side, we're seeing a huge uptick. Obviously, people who are quarantined at home are watching a lot more. We're watching more Netflix. We're going on YouTube a lot more. There's a lot more streaming content in general. Does that mean there's a lot more music streaming content in general? Um, Right now, we're still having trouble measuring exactly what that is, but we are starting to see an uptick in the music side as well. 
Now, a big worry was because so many people are becoming unemployed and uh, enduring financial hardship right now that they're going to cancel their subscriptions for Apple and Spotify and Tidal and Amazon, um, and that would decrease music listening and music revenue. Well, that's actually not happening. There was a study that came out this week, a forecast that said, actually, it's growing. And last year in 2019, we saw the biggest the biggest jump in growth. But we are in a pandemic. So can we really trust the forecasting right now? I don't know. My prediction is I think people will continue to pay for, you know, for their subscriptions, continue to listen to music as they get adjusted to their home routines and it becomes a major factor in their world because music, in my opinion, will always prevail. It's always there. Um, we've seen it in investment funds and in the stocks. There's the stock, the hypnosis, uh, hypnosis fund. Um, that's on a huge spike and they've had the largest catalog acquisitions in a very long time. Uh, they've spent over $650 million in the last couple of years on catalog acquisitions and their stock is spiking. So we have to look at some of these other drivers of music to see, are we going to be collecting more royalties, less royalties, and where do we stand? I have a lot of optimism with it. I really do, but I still am cautious about it. And I'll be continuing to update you guys with my thoughts and tracking this stuff closely but don't always get you know carried away with these headlines. Um, in my opinion, they've been clickbaity. They've been fear enduring. Um, some of them have value to them. I'm not going to discredit them all, but I will say, don't just look at the headlines. Let's really take a look at how everyone is consuming music. And let's start taking a look at our statements every month and what that really means. If you're an ASCAP writer, a little commentary on that. You will be getting paid late this month. Usually, uh, you'd be getting paid early April. It's going to be now pushed until April 28th. A lot of that is because ASCAP is a cash basis business model. So um, cash in and cash out. And they forecast and budget for this. But because they're dealing with vendors who are not paying or paying late or their businesses are tanking themselves, they're having trouble adjusting to that, um, dealing with their cash flow, as well as their projections and budgeting, and that is now going down to the songwriters. There's been a dilemma about, well, the executives are getting paid on time, that money should trickle down to the songwriters first. If the executives are getting paid their checks, then the songwriters should. I understand that argument, that's a valid argument, but it's also a kind of, it's tough. It's just a it's just a more complex issue. I'm not pro or against any of that. It's just way more complex and we have to understand how PROs work. Now, think of ASCAP. Look, I know a lot of great people that work at ASCAP. Um, ASCAP is the longest standing performance right, or rights organization and it's also board. It, its board is made up of all writers and composers. Also, they dish out over, they pay out over a billion dollars a year. And I think, is there genuine concern to worry? Yeah, the paying late is pretty troubling, but will you just stop getting royalties altogether? I highly, highly, highly doubt it. But let's keep track of our royalty statements. Let's follow what's going on so we don't just let the fear continue to um, drive our thoughts and drive our anxieties, okay? That's my commentary on that. And uh, just because last episode was about performance royalties and so much has happened between uh, then and now. 
Moving on to mechanical royalties. This is the second type of royalty stream that I want to talk about. Mechanical royalties, there's kind of confusion about what they are. We know this term. We've heard this term. We know it has to do with some type of record sales, but do we really know which which side it's on, what it really refers to? Uh, And the answer is no. A lot of people, it still is very vague, even though it's one of the most traditional terms in the music industry. Mechanicals actually comes from when they were uh, from printing, actually printing sheet music and mechanically making recordings and through machinery. So that's where the mechanical term actually comes from. So a very historical term now, but what does it mean in today? How do we interpret mechanicals and really what are they? So mechanical royalties refer to a very specific type. It's this. It's on the publishing side. So that's the musical composition side. This isn't on the sound recording side. This has nothing to do with your masters and that income. But the reason it gets confusing is because this royalty actually is paid to publishers from the record labels and the master owners. Now, let me explain what that means. So first, we have to talk about separating these two sides like I always love to do and I'm going to keep doing until you guys are sick of it, but it's very important, especially in this case. So on one side, we have the sound recordings, okay? That's the artist, that's the record label, that's the distributor, that's the master side sound recordings. On the other side, we have the musical composition, the underlying composition, which is written by the songwriters, uh, controlled by the publishers. So that's the publishing royalties. That's that side. Let's keep them separate. So when we talk about mechanical royalties, those are publishing royalties. Those are publishing royalties for the use of those compositions. Now, where are those compositions being used? Those compositions are being used in the recordings. It's a bit of an abstract idea. So um, I'll talk about like an example. Say, uh, you know, you're a songwriter, you write a song, and then that song gets recorded by Rihanna. So you have Rihanna's recording, but your song. So you would get mechanical royalties from the sale of Rihanna's recordings. And that sale comes in the form of CDs, downloads from iTunes, uh, vinyl, any way those recordings are sold. The record label then would pay you, the songwriter, mechanical royalties. Now, I'm just going to take a quick moment to talk about um, where this connection really happens and why it happens. So it goes back to copyright law. And if you guys remember or you need a refresher, go back to episode one. But record labels need a couple rights to use your musical composition. And if we know the rights that uh, songwriters have, that copyright holders have under copyright law and protection, they have one, the right to distribute, and two, the right to reproduce. Those are two things that record labels do. When they make records, they reproduce them. They make copies, right? And the other thing they do is they distribute them to the public. So for a record label to do that, they have to go to the songwriters and say, hey, we're going to make copies of this recording. We're going to distribute this recording. So we need your permission, one, to do that because you're protected under copyright law. And two, we have to pay you for those. So what are those payments? Those are the mechanical royalties. 
So that's kind of the flow. And I'll give a real life example. So let's go back to that kind of Rihanna-ish example. What's going to happen when you write a song and say Rihanna records that song, Rihanna's record label is then going to go to you and your publisher and they're going to say, hey, we're putting out this Rihanna's recording of your song and we need to get your permission in the form of a mechanical license. So they're going to send you a mechanical license request and they say, hey, you know, we're going to put this out and um, get your permission and we're going to pay you for it. And they're going to negotiate that with your publisher. They're going to, your publisher is going to license your song to be used in Rihanna's recording. And then you're going to get, you're going to get mechanical royalties from the record label paid to you. I wanted to make that very clear because that's clearly, clearly what mechanical royalties are. Um, And it's kind of weird to talk about because the business now isn't so much in the sales and uh, downloads of records because we live in in such a streaming age right now. But it can still be very significant, especially with really massive artists. And uh, physical sales and digital sales are still very popular in other countries around the world. So mechanicals do still play a part um, and an important income stream when it comes to publishing royalties. Now, to make this very clear on the other side, when you um, do you know, a, a record deal or a distribution deal and that distribution company or record company is paying you royalties, those are not mechanical royalties. Those are just master royalties or artist royalties. For example, um, I get this question a lot with independent artists. So say you have a deal with DistroKid or TuneCore and they're paying you monthly. They're sending you statements. They're giving you payments for the streams or the downloads of your song and your recordings, those are not mechanicals. A lot of people call them mechanicals. They're not mechanicals. Those are just, like I said, artist royalties or master royalties, okay? Mechanicals are publishing royalties. Those get paid to the songwriters and the publishers. Very, very clear line that I wanted to make a distinction. And I'll be posting more stuff about this as well to even show more clarity. But that's a good way to really think about it. Now, I want to talk about some components of mechanicals in terms of what you get paid and um, a little bit more about the process. So mechanicals are bound under uh, federal law. There's an established rate by the uh, Copyright Royalty Board, which basically is called a statutory rate, and it's 9.1 cents. You guys may have heard of that, but basically what that means is that For every record sold, for every recording that's sold, you as the songwriter get 9.1 cents per unit. And that's based on your percentage. So if you wrote 100% of the song, you would get that 9.1 cents per unit. If you wrote half the song, then you cut 9.1 cents in half and it becomes, you know, 0.045. And that's kind of how it works. So, but, you know, let's say you wrote a song 100%. Um, then you would get that full nine cents. Now, uh, 9.1 cents. Now, why is that important? Well, let's think about what happens when you sell, you know, when, when the artist records your song and they sell a million records, okay? What does that mean for you as the songwriter? Well, that means 9.1 cents per unit, so times a million, and that's $91,000 in mechanical royalties that you would get from the label. 
Now again, that's from the sale of the CDs, the downloads, the vinyl, wherever those records are being sold. That's what that $91,000 is for and that gets paid from the record label to the publisher. So if you're a songwriter and you're working with an artist who's signed to a label, you're going to want to make sure you get your mechanical royalties. Um, If you're a songwriter and you work with an artist who's not signed to a record label but has a distribution deal, then that then they have to pay that money, your mechanicals, from the the distribution money they get for any downloads um, that they do now. It's or CDs. I mean, it's kind of rare these days that people are really printing up CDs uh, on an independent level. But if they do, they do owe you mechanical income royalties. Now, again, that's excluding streaming. We're not talking about streaming. Only if they have downloads. And on the independent level, it tends to be. Um, very minimal usually, but on a major record label, it can be substantial at times. So you definitely want to make sure that you're getting your, um, you know, your mechanical royalties, especially if you're not represented by a publisher, that's going to go make sure the license is in place and collect those royalties for you. I've dealt with a lot of independent writers who actually have major credits that have been on major albums that never got paid their mechanicals because they simply didn't know how to issue a mechanical license themselves. Uh, they never sent in their W-9. They never pursued it. And a lot of the times the labels are just going to kind of sit back and say like, hey, we don't have documentation for this. And unless you come tell us, we're not paying you. So if you're a songwriter and you had a songwriting uh, songwriting credits on any major label release, make sure they're paying you mechanical royalties if you're independent um, and you don't have an administrator or a publisher monitoring that. All right. That's my little uh, soapbox moment right there. Another thing I quickly want to talk about too is just going back to the rate, that 9.1 cents. Um, That's up to songs for five minutes. Now, if you write a song that's over five minutes, so say it's like five minutes and one second or five minutes and 30 seconds, whatever it is, if it's over five minutes, then it counts as the you round it up. So it would be six minutes and then so on, so on. The rate changes for everything after five minutes. It's calculated based on 1.75 cents per minute, meaning you get more money if you write longer songs. Um, Most people don't write songs over five minutes, but if you do, you get paid a higher mechanical rate. And the way that's calculated is just you take that 1.75 cents and you multiply it by the number of minutes. So going back to that example, uh, if you have a song that's five minutes and 30 seconds long, Uh, You round it up to six minutes and you would do 1.75 times six. That gives you a royalty rate of 10.5. So 10.5 is obviously higher than 9.1 and it it, it changes the game. So if you sold, uh, if the uh, artist and the record label sold a million units and your song was six minutes long or anything above five minutes, then instead of the $91,000, you'd be getting $105,000 because it would be calculated at that 10 and a half cent rate. Hopefully that wasn't too confusing. I know talking about math without visuals, especially on a podcast, can be a little convoluted. So I don't want to get too into it, but just know you write longer songs, you're going to get more mechanical royalties. All right. Now, around the world, it works a little bit differently. Like in Canada, their rate is less. It's 8.3 cents. Um, In European countries, they do a percentage of the PBD price, and it varies country to country. But at the end of the day, the rate is all pretty much kind of similar, more or less. 
you're getting around that um, that penny rate, even though it's variable, it's around there. So that's just if you ever want to project what you may be getting on worldwide sales, you can kind of uh, use the same number, maybe reduce it for some countries, and um, just to be in a ballpark estimation. But that's the uh, enough about rates. And going into that, just wanted to kind of give you guys a general overview of actually why you're paid that amount and what it can come down to. So if you ever are on a record that does sell a million units in today's uh, world, then you know what to expect. Now, I want to talk about a couple more examples and put this to real life use because, look, my goal isn't to just throw definitions and terms and rates at you guys uh, to memorize. That's not the point. The point is so we can build a solid foundation and understanding of royalty flow, the different players involved, and where all this stuff really, really comes from. So let's start with another scenario similar to like the Rihanna one where you're a songwriter, okay? You are not an artist. You're purely a songwriter. You go in the studio or you're at home, wherever, and you're writing this song all by yourself. No co-writers, nothing. Now, you have a publishing deal. So, you know, you're going to submit your songs to your publisher and they're going to say, hey, you know, Beyonce is looking for some songs. Do you want to pitch some songs? You have some things for her. Now, look, in real life, you would, you know, probably co-write with a bunch of other people, but this is just for hypothetical. So you're going to submit a song and say Beyonce really loves your song and wants to record it. Awesome. So Beyonce is going to go record your song and then she, you know, she does the recording. It's fantastic. Now this recording is going to be the first single on her album. Wonderful. Well, As that's getting ready, her record label, because she's just the recording artist at this point, Beyonce is not the songwriter. You wrote all the song, all the lyrics, all the music, everything. You did the whole thing. Beyonce recorded it. So she, it's, you know, purely the recording artist. And so her record label is going to go to your publisher and say, hey, you know, this song is going to be the first single on her album. And uh, we'd like to request a mechanical license, meaning they're going to make CDs. It's going to be available on iTunes for downloads. Um, So they're going to say, hey, can you please send us a mechanical license? They're going to give your publisher all the details. This includes the timing of the song, the release date, the album, the artist name, um, the product code, the ISRC code, all these different details. Say, here's all the details of the release of what we want to do of the recording please give us permission to use your writer's song on Beyonce's recording. Because again, those are the protective, the protected rights that you have. So your publisher is then going to say, thank you record label for the mechanical license request. And they're going to drop what's called a mechanical license. Then they're going to issue that license to the record label. Now that what that license does, it says basically record label, you have the permission to use my songwriter's song, which is you, on Beyonce's recording in these ways. And those are all spelled out in the license agreement. And then the record label is going to say, great, they'll sign off on it. Your publisher is going to sign off on it. And then moving forward, your record, uh, Beyonce's record label is going to pay mechanical royalties for the sales of that recording. In So all the downloads that she gets and all the CDs that she sells, 
the record label on a quarterly basis. So every quarter, they're going to send a check to your publisher for that recording. And that's how you're going to get your mechanical royalties paid to you for your song used in Beyonce's recording. All right. Very simple scenario. Now let's make this a little more confusing, but if we kind of take the same, uh, if we kind of take the same principles, then it hopefully won't be as confusing. So let's say you are the recording artist and the songwriter. So, which a lot of people are, uh, you see this with a lot of bands, uh, Lady Gaga actually is known to be, uh, write a lot of her own stuff and she's a recording artist. So very, very common that people are songwriters and the recording artist. So let's say you're both people. And to make this a little more clear, um, let's say you have a publishing deal with universal music publishing for you as a songwriter and you have a record deal with, let's say, Sony, okay, as an artist. Well, so you write all your songs and you record all of them. You put together a fantastic album of songs that you wrote 100%. You go to Sony, your record label. You're going to say, hey, here's all my recordings. They're going to be awesome. And they'll put this album together. And what they're going to have to do, though, is go to Universal, your publisher, and they're going to say, Universal, you know, we're putting out this album that has all of these songs by the songwriter, who's also the artist. And can we get a mechanical license so we can use those songs that he wrote, the songwriting rights, on the recordings that he recorded? Now, even though he's the same person, it doesn't matter because, like I always say in the music industry, it doesn't matter who you kind of are in the physical world you got to divide yourself on who you are in the industry. Are you the artist or are you the songwriter or are you both? Because you got to treat yourself very, very separately. So that's why his record label, Sony, will then ask his publishing company, Universal, for a mechanical license to use his own songs on his own recordings. Because, you know, when we're talking about rights, we're talking about underlying composition and recordings. We're not talking about people necessarily. You know, this is following the rights of copyright law. So um, Universal would then say, no problem, Sony. And often they would probably give him a reduced rate since he's also the recording artist um, because, you know, it's uh, it's very common for the record labels to say, hey, he wrote all the songs and he's the artist. Can we get a reduced rate? And usually that's 75% of the mechanical rate or it's called a three-fourths rate. But instead of paying that 9.1 cents, uh, they'll just pay a lesser rate, uh, 75% of that, uh, just as a reduction because they're like, look, we're getting like 10 songs on our album's worth. Can you hook us up with a reduced rate? It's not mandatory, but it can happen. Also, it can be written in his artist agreement too, so that's common, but that's for another day. But my goal is just to tell you that's the process. It's the record label asking the publisher for permission getting that permission, and then paying the publisher mechanical royalties. That is what mechanical royalties are. Now, a third scenario. Let's take this really, really independent, okay? Say you are, again, a songwriter and an artist, and let's just say you're a rapper, and you write all your rap lyrics, and you make your own beats too. So you write everything 100%. Then you put it out on DistroKid as your distributor. Well, DistroKid is going to pay you monthly. You'll get your monthly statements. They'll send money to you. 
uh, for the sales. And maybe you won't sell much, whatever comes in on down uh, on iTunes, whatever's downloaded, because I don't think DistroKid does physical CDs. So whatever's downloaded, maybe you have a thousand downloads because people still like downloading and owning music. And that money, you know, gets paid to you in the form of sales, but there's actually no mechanical breakout there. They don't break out your mechanicals to you. Now, generally, there is an option for it now. It's a very new feature, but because they'll do that if there's other writers involved. But when you get those statements from DistroKid or any other distributor, they're not breaking out your mechanicals. They're just paying you the lump sum of what the royalties are, and it's your responsibility generally to break out mechanicals. Now, because you're the same person, you're the writer and artist, nobody ever does that. But where this actually becomes important is, let's go back to the scenario if you're a rapper and say you work with a producer who's also a 50% of the songwriter because he's going to have 50% of the song for the music. You'll take 50% of the song for the lyrics. Let's just say that's how you split it up. So now you're a songwriter and the person who made the beat is also a 50% songwriter, okay? So he has publishing on it. Well, say you release your music through a distribution company and they you know, have downloads on iTunes and say for some reason you just have a niche that people love downloading your music and you have like 10,000 downloads. Uh, you know, again, not streaming. This is talking about downloads from iTunes. So DistroKid is gonna pay out those 10,000 downloads to you in the form of master sales. But the producer, who's also a songwriter, the person who made the beat and the music, he's also a songwriter, he's owed his mechanical royalties from those downloads. And if you're not paying him, he's getting short, you know, shortchanged because you have downloads that are being, you know, sold, but you're not paying him because you're not breaking out and doing that calculation. So let's run the math on that just for fun. And if this is a little confusing, feel free to reach out to me directly and I'll, I'll help you kind of break it out uh, just for the, uh, you know, because of the time. But let's just run that scenario. So say you sold 10,000 downloads on iTunes and the mechanic, as, as if you're a producer, you have 50% of the song. So first let's run the calculation at that 9.1 cents, okay? That nine, you know, 10,000 times 0.091, which equals $910, right? So that means you get $910 is the mechanical royalties that you would be paying out. However, the producer is only 50% as a, is credited for 50% of the writing. So it's $910 divided by two, 50%, right? So that producer is owed $455 of mechanical royalties. And that's something I've seen time and time again. I've worked with a lot of producers that, um, you know, and when I say producers, I mean beat makers, people who are making the music, people who are uh, really creating the sound and the music. They're treated as songwriters. And I've worked with so many people that uh, have not gotten paid their mechanical royalties because it's an independent release through a, distrib a distribution company and the artist just never breaks out that calculation. Now look, is it usually significant? No. Is it usually 10,000 downloads? No, but it can be. 
Um, and if it's significant enough, you may want to go after those and say, hey, give me my money. Look, 500 bucks is 500 bucks and or whatever it is. It's still your money. So that's what mechanical royalties are and why it gets so convoluted. But hopefully those few examples helped you guys understand that mechanical royalties are publishing royalties that do come from the sales of the recordings in the form of CDs, downloads, vinyl. Um, one thing uh, that is also kind of thrown into here is ringtones or master tones. Um, we don't really see them much anymore. They used to be a royalty type that was really popular during the big ringtone era. And the royalty rate for that was 24 cents a ringtone. But sometimes you'll hear that too of a ringtone rate. And sometimes they group that in a mechanical license as well. So uh, I just wanted to throw that in there at the end. But Again, my point here was to be really clear about what mechanical royalties actually are. In the next episode, we will talk about mechanical streaming royalties. Now, those are very different. They don't abide by that statutory uh, 9.1 cent rate. They function extremely differently. And even the streaming services have argued, I believe Spotify did, that uh, they're actually not even mechanicals. So it's a very different beast We'll get into it, but first to even understand that and understand what those are, we have to start at ground one and understand the root of what mechanical royalties are and really how they affect the songwriter, the musical composition, and the copyright, okay? If you have any questions, I know that was probably a lot, a lot of numbers, a lot of weird stuff. Maybe listen to this again, but if you have any questions or want to talk about it more, feel free to hit me up. You can uh, reach me at Paid in Full Pod on Instagram or Twitter. DM me. I'm pretty responsive and um, I'm here to help. So let me know what you need. Until then, I will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks again for listening. I'm out.